Hi, welcome to Karate Chop Bullying. This is our first episode. As the name of the show implies, we're here to talk about a very serious problem with society that affects many people and is often not discussed enough. Whether you're a child in grammar school, an adult in the workforce, or anyone just trying to live their life in peace, there are very few things that can impact somebody so deeply and darkly as bullying. Oftentimes, we don't feel that anybody is willing to listen or that they care, and we have no idea how we can get help. That is the reason for this podcast. We want to be the bridge to help you get help and understanding. Karate Chop Bullying is an outreach initiative of Tim Flynn's Kato Karate program. My name is Bruce Naxon, and I'm here because I too have been a victim of bullying. Joining me on his own show is my co-host, Tim Flynn. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me at my own show. (laughs) No problem. So, Tim, what made you want to start your Karate Chop Bullying Initiative? Well, Bruce, when I was younger, I experienced bullying myself. And I remember seeing the Karate Kid movies when I was growing up and seeing Daniel having the same issues that I'm having. Martial arts helped him overcome bullying. So I took karate lessons. And then fast forward, in 2016, I opened up Kato Karate. After a few years, I started hearing stories from my students that they're being bullied. And I hear from the parents that my child is being bullied. What can we do? Teaching kicks and punches is great, but I wanted to give my parents tools to help combat this problem. So I started doing my karate chop bullying, anti-bullying seminars, and I wanted to reach more people. So this is why I started the podcast. Ultimately, both of us have been victims of bullying and both of us at the time really didn't have anywhere to turn or someone to talk to. And we really want that not to be the case. So here we are with karate chop bullying. So today's episode The focus is more on bullying in school, and we're going to define bullying with our guest, who is Fiona Swanson, who is a licensed social worker. But first, we were discussing earlier uh, a very tragic story that has recently been reported in the news, the unfortunate suicide of Miles Fitzpatrick, who left us at the tender age of 17. In a nutshell, Miles... Miles joined the Manville School District during the year of 2018-2019, came out as transgender in December of 2020, and then during that period of time, they were not going to school because of the pandemic. It was remote. During the course of the school year of 2021 into 2022, it became a hybrid environment, and the bullying began. Miles was heavily bullied. Harassment about their gender identity, being picked on, being called the F word, which I'm not going to say here, but we all know what it is, being told that they would never really be a man. This is just some of the stuff, according to the article that I'm reading on the Daily Voice, the Somerset section. The bullying got physical. We're talking he was pushed into lockers. Items were thrown at him. Now, we don't know what these items were. Was it a rock? Was it a pen? Who knows? He was kicked, had his hair pulled. This happened in hallways, the locker room, bathrooms. 
It just was going on. And some of the times it was happening, according to the lawsuit that they filed, it was happening in front of teachers, sometimes in front of staff members, all the time without intervention. It was so severe that this began Miles dealing with severe depression and anxiety. It led to acts of self-mutilation, some of which happened on school grounds, and some suicide attempts. And according to this lawsuit, when he was in class, he would have things like bloody sleeves, and the staff member still turned a blind eye. His mother requested intervention, requested help. She made complaints to the school district, to the counselor. Fitzpatrick himself even made reports to staff members and teachers. But the bullying grew worse, and nothing significant was done to address these complaints. The bullying got so bad that Miles was given permission to change in the faculty lounge restroom or the nurse's office, but for some unknown reason, that was reneged at some point, and he was forced to change in the locker rooms where the harassment was going on, and it just got more and more severe. They eventually asked for either remote schooling or homeschooling, and that was denied. And because of that, the harassment continued, and it continued up until poor Miles took his own life. Now, the school district has made a statement. Our hearts are broken, and we are grieving for Miles' family, the students who were his friends, and the staff members who taught him. Beyond that, it wouldn't be appropriate to comment on pending litigation. I am heartbroken. I am just enraged because even though I was not transgendered, I can see myself in Miles. Miles is my people. I was bullied. The school district was well aware of it. And not only did they not help me, they would do things to help encourage it in subtle, weird ways. And this is what happened to Miles. You know, I, I really don't know what to say, but I am enraged because it wasn't taken seriously until it was too late. One thing about the story that we need to make note of is we don't hear what the school attempted to do as well besides changing bathrooms. I know I have a lot of parents who quick come to me saying, my kid's being bullied in school and doing nothing. And I got to take their word for it, but I'm careful because I'm not going to say, well, that school ain't doing nothing to help bullying because for one, we don't hear their side. But I'll tell you what, Manville High School, I'll be more than happy to hear your side. So if you're from Manville High School and you want to talk about this with us, you can email us at karatechopbullying at gmail.com. And we would love, love to hear your side of this tragedy. Yes, but I have experienced a teacher turning the blind eye. I remember this third grade gym class, I was getting picked on and the coach, teacher, it was Fayette, just turned away, ignored it, like nothing happened. And I'm like, that's not fair. You just, you're just alone. So I, I've experienced it, you know, one time in front of a teacher like that. Oh, it's going to toughen you up, Tim. <laughs> yeah, just tough it up. Speaking of just toughing it up, that was... Back in the day, back in my time too, tough it up. Suck it up. That's what you're told, suck it up. Everybody gets picked on, suck it up. The problem is of me sucking it up, it caused, look, I still today struggle with confidence issues. I still have doubts, can I do this? Because when I was younger, I didn't get that praise and feedback from you know, my teachers, 
or even my parents because, well, one, my parents didn't know what was going on. I can relate to that, that child as well and to that parent when you feel like the school is not helping, you feel alone. Who else do you turn to? I have a student in my martial arts program that is identifying right now as non-binary who just started to experience the harassment, the bullying, starting to get a little physical. The parents are aware of it. I'm aware of it. Her parents feel like they don't have anyone to turn to because sometimes you're so overwhelmed with all the stuff's going on. And I don't know what the school is currently doing, but whatever is going on, it's not good enough for at least my students' parents. So what I'm doing right now with my current student is we got in touch with a local community that understands the trans and LGBTQ community for help to get this student around people like them to start overcoming this bullying in school. No matter what your belief, religion views are, political views are. None of that matters. None of that matters. Correct. What matters is, especially for one, this is a child. And it's a human being. Yes. A human being. They, their brains are fully developed to 24 years old. They don't quite understand, especially when it comes to suicide. Sometimes people, I tried to commit suicide back when I was a kid. My reason for that was, is because at nighttime, I was at peace when I was sleeping. Kids don't understand that when you go this far, there's no, I can come back from it later on. This is final. So I feel like this is a pretty heavy news article to kick off our first show with, especially when I have my own student kind of going through the start of, of this story right here. But I have hope for this student. I believe they are starting to get the help. I can start seeing more of a upbeat in the student where I have to tell this student to, hey, act like a black belt. <laughs> to the point when you have to start telling a student to start listening to you, they're goofing around in class. That's actually a good sign because their confidence is starting to come back a little bit more. But, you know, as far as this news article, you know, this kid didn't have any of those opportunities, at least that we know of. Yeah. Well, they have a GoFundMe for poor Miles family, and you will find that link in the show description. If you can, please give something. I think a very important thing to do in this first episode is to actually define what is bullying and how to recognize it and how to see if maybe you or your child or somebody you know is affected. And to do that, we're going to bring on a professional. Joining us now is Fiona Swanson, a clinical social worker for over 10 years who deals with adults and children and is very familiar with bullying and I think has some experience herself. Hello, Fiona. Hi, glad to be here. So tell us a little about yourself, a little about your experiences. How did you get into social work, your specialization? Okay, um, so I have been in social work for about 10 years now kind of always knew that I wanted to do something having to do with helping people and it ended up being social work. I started out working in a hospital setting, working with families, helping them get ready to discharge or deal with sort of the stressors of being in the hospital. And then I got my clinical licensure and started working with patients, um, adults, children, families, on more of a therapeutic basis, so working with them in therapy. And then I switched to school social work about a year, about a year ago. 
because I felt like working so much with kids and adolescents, a lot of the main stressors they were dealing with had to do with school setting. And oftentimes, most often, it had to do with bullying or peer conflicts. And so I thought it would be helpful if I could work in that setting with students. Well, let's talk about bullying a little bit. What exactly is it? What's the difference between bullying versus, say, harassment versus, say, just being plain rude? Sure. So being rude is um, when a person is maybe accidentally says something unkind or accidentally bumps into somebody, you know, and doesn't apologize or maybe says something that wasn't very considerate and might have hurt their feelings like, oh, that's a different haircut, you know, so that would be being rude. Then there's also being mean which is a little bit more intentional, kind of saying something to hurt somebody's feelings. But typically that would be just maybe on a one-time basis. Um, when it, it moves into bullying, when it's done more intentionally, so there's purpose and it's usually planned. And then also when there is a little bit of a power differential. So for example, you know, 10 minutes before they're led into this, the school so they're on the playground and every time they get dropped off you know there's this group of three or four kids who um, maybe are like a little bit older or bigger or even just the fact that it's a group um, that gives them more power than the the kid who just got dropped off and if they every time they see this student say rude things to them or tease them and that's on a consistent basis then that would be bullying in your experiences as a social worker, do you feel the incidents of bullying are on the rise? That is a very good question. I definitely think cyberbullying is on the rise. And, you know, I I was in school, um, let's see, I don't want to give away my age, but I graduated about 20 years ago. So a while ago, before social media and cell phones. And you know, I think back to uh, middle school, which was a very hard time for me. And um, I would say that I was probably the target of some bullying, definitely some transition in friends then was targeted. And I think about how hard that was. But yet now, when you add social media and texting, group texts, and all of these other ways for people to talk about you or spread rumors or record you and post it, I think how lucky I was, how relieved I am that it wasn't that much worse, yet it was still really hard. So I would say that it's much more intense now. You know, I've been working with students and youth professionally for about 10 years, but even um, when I was doing hair, I would work with a lot of like teenagers and and I guess I can't say speak to the like statistics as far as whether or not it's um, increased. I know it's kind of always been bad and it depends on where you you go to school and those policies and that type of thing. Well, online certainly takes the in-person, you had to put in physical effort to do it, or at the very least, pick up a phone and crank call somebody versus now you can just simply find their IM, find their Instagram and just go at it. At least when we were kids, because I'm roughly the same age as you, Fiona, when we were kids, at least when we leave school, the bullying goes away. It stops for a bit. We got a break. But these days, you know, kids can't escape it. It's like you said, it's cyber. That cyber bullying is really tough to do for a lot of kids and kids 
want to be connected with social media as well, play their games and so forth. So I do think that for myself, I guess I was a little bit more luckier when I was getting bullied because at least when I left school, it stopped for you know a day. Considering how easy it's become to just go online and rail at somebody, it's very easy to bully someone. What can parents do to be more cognizant that their particular child might be getting bullied? That is one thing when I, I'm grateful for my um, professional experience because I am um, meeting with kids and then especially like adolescents and then teenagers one-on-one, I hear what's happening. And then when I will talk with the parents, sometimes they have no idea the extent or they think, they say, oh, their friends are good kids they just, they just do this sometimes, but they have no idea what's happening or how, how cruel it is. Boys will be boys. Yes, exactly. Right. Or, or you know how girls are, you know, that kind of thing. Or, and so they sometimes even encourage the, their child to stay friends with this group. Like, let's say it's a small town and they grew up being friends, but yet, you know, the group is kind of torturing the, their child, but they're not believing it. So, um, I think that it is really important for parents to watch for changes um, in behavior or personality with their child. For example, let's say their child usually loves going to their like after school program, you know, whatever that that after school care is, and they're always happy to go. And then all of a sudden they say, "Oh, can you just pick me up? Can you pick me up early? I don't want to stay." Or they are, you know, going to the nurse a lot, saying, I have a headache or I'm sick, I need to go home. Or they are not wanting to go to school. Those are clear signs that something is going on. I encourage parents wholeheartedly to not just dismiss it as kids being lazy or just being teenagers, you know, make sure to to find out, okay, so who are you spending your time with? And also encouraging parents to look at their children's phones, look at look at their online activity, you know, make it like normalize that from as soon as they're old enough to be online. Say, okay, you got to quick show me what you've been doing or you got to show me your account so that as they get older, they realize, yep, that's just a normal thing. My mom or my dad's just protecting me. I got to show them who I'm talking to. So just kind of always recognizing any any signs that's, that your child is avoiding places they used to go or isolating more. So Fiona, if I have a child that I suspect bullying, you know, some kids don't want to admit that they're being bullied, even though you can see it. It's like a good question to ask your child that would get you to open up to them. Instead of going up to my child and saying, hey, Johnny, are you being bullied today? Do you take them out to like a, a private setting, have some dinner? What's a good technique to get them to open up to you, to trust you? Because a lot of it, kids are afraid that, oh, no, they're going to call that kid's parents and I'm really going to get it. Right. Is there a good question or a tactic we can get our kids to open up to come clean about the bullying? Yeah. Yep. Very good question. Because you're absolutely right. Surprisingly, it, it's a child's sort of instinct to shut down and just try to say, nope, everything is fine. So I think that it's helpful to really try to connect with your child. And so like you said, maybe take them out to eat or just spend some one-on-one time with them so that they know that you're there, you know, and even just saying, hey, I'm, I'm noticing something. 
um, noticing a change in you. Or, you know, when I was a kid, sometimes people said mean things to me and I didn't know how to respond. Does that ever happen to you? And honestly, as a parent, so this is my experience as a parent, I found it helpful to sometimes, you know, when I go pick up my kid from after school care, try to try to sort of get there and just watch a little bit to see what I can see um, before coming to get them. And so I can observe what's going on because I actually found out one time doing that of a little bit of that going on, a little bit of intimidation from another student to my son that he hadn't told me about. And I I saw it and then I was able to ask him about it and remind him like, we're gonna work through this together. I'm not gonna do anything that makes you uncomfortable. We're, We're gonna figure out how you can be safe and how you can stand up for yourself. So really not trying to rush it, trying to trying to help them feel calm and safe and then have them participate in coming up with a plan for next steps. That's a very good point. So maybe they don't open up to me the first time, but second time, third time as parents, just be patient, work with your child. And like you said, I might have to go down to school and monitor them for a bit, but just sit back and kind of watch. But then again, like, how do you go back and tell your kid, like, well, okay, I, I saw you, I saw this happening. I don't want my kid to lose trust in me that I'm spying on them though either. Right. Sometimes it can be a little iffy with your kids to break that trust too. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the example I gave, it was more just kind of me pulling up and then seeing them. I didn't stay for more than like a minute or two. Yep. I get it. Yep. I'm <laughs> so, just saying if, but your kids used to picking you up. If I was to go pick up my kid, which I don't ever do. And then I go to school one day to kind of sit back and watch. Then my daughter goes, are you spying on me? Yeah. You know, I don't want to break that trust either. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't want to give the message that it's okay to go and watch your kids at recess necessarily because I don't know that that's allowed, but more just kind of taking every opportunity you can to to observe in the moment naturally. Um, and, and also, if you have concerns, your te- their teacher is there. You know, email them, call them, say, hey, this is what I'm noticing. What are you seeing? Because either the teacher or the school social worker or counselor will or should take that seriously and investigate. Would there be any value in as a parent saying to your child, I just want you to know that when I was your age, I was bullied. I went through something similar. If something's going on, I don't want you to be afraid that I won't understand or I won't believe you because I've been through it. I do understand. I do believe you. Absolutely. I think, I think that that would be absolutely helpful. You know, and because when I was um, when I was a kid, sort of, you know, my mom's advice was, well, just ignore it, just ignore it. And, you know, really, that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, she was doing the best she could. Just smile. They'll get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just yeah, just pretend you don't hear it. But that that can often I mean, I've, I've rarely seen that work. It's often sort of like ammunition sort of for it to continue. If the parent manages to get this conversation going, they're beginning to talk to the child, what advice can the parent give the child to help that child who is being bullied? I think really to, to remember that our first goal is to listen, to help our child feel heard, because sometimes we go quick into advice mode and our kids shut down or they're like, well, no, that's not going to work, you know. So we want we want to make sure we listen 
ask them to explain what happens and like how it makes them feel. And then just sort of problem solve, say, okay, so what do you think might help? Or what would you like to do? You know, if you had a superpower to fix this, what would happen? So getting them involved in the conversation. Then some tips that I often recommend and do with my own kids is I say, okay, let's practice how we could respond. How can we, can we make a joke about something? You know, can we sort of laugh it off if someone makes a mean comment? Is this something where we need to practice assertively say no I don't like that stop because sometimes our kids I don't think know that they need to directly say no stop because sometimes I think that initial instinct is to just sort of like giggle and laugh along which then the bully can sort of say well they never said they didn't like it or it was just a joke so listening and involving them in the plan practicing role-playing how they're going to respond and then also making a plan for who they can connect with. So as the parent, after you do these things, I'm going to ask how it goes. And then who do you want us to talk to? Will it be your teacher or your counselor? What other adult at school can help us with this so that they can help you when you're in school? So that brings me to our next question, which is in some cases, in quite a few cases, actually, the school is not just not helpful they're almost to some degree complicit in their lack of ability to want to deal with the situation. What advice, what services are there for parents who try to approach the school and the school makes excuses, doesn't help, just stand by and watch because it's not their problem? You know, and first of all, I, I do want to say that my experience with schools is Luckily, it's been positive. I have seen documentaries and I have heard about, you know, some schools that clearly aren't taking it seriously. And so, yes, I'm going to give you some resources for that. But I also want to say that I have seen um, and I work in some schools that will be proactive and they recognize that um, there are laws in place. I mean, you look up our Minnesota statute and there's anti-bullying laws and safe and supportive schools acts that, um, that mandate certain policies schools have to follow. So I think for the parents, there's two really good resources online. Um, and one is stopbullying.gov. And that's a, a federal um, kind of website and resource center with lots of really good information about how to talk to your child, how to connect with the school, what are the next steps if you're not getting anywhere. Also, um, PACER, P-A-C-E-R, they have a National Bullying Prevention Center, and their website is fantastic. They, they have letters sort of written out so that you can start to document reaching out to the school and telling them exactly what's happening and then to, to start to build a legal case if the school is not responding to make action happen. I would really encourage people to um, look at those resources. And there are more, but those are kind of like the two that seem pretty good to me. You know, and just, and just don't, don't stop. Don't stop advocating because because you have to for your child, you know. So another question, if your child is being bullied and you are aware of the other child's parents, 
As a parent, should you approach them? Should you try to have a dialogue with the other child's parent, or is that just asking for issues? Hmm. I think I feel like I, I don't have a good evidence-based answer. <laughs> I'm guessing there's probably some research out there that would help us know which way to go. Um, I know that in some experiences with families I've worked with, the parents have connected with the other parents, particularly if it's like a smaller town, and that that has been helpful to an extent. Yeah, I think we're on a case-by-case basis, what you're trying to say, because if a parent came to me and said, my kid's bullying our kid, I'll probably be offended by it, though, too. You know, some parents will get offended, like, what, you're calling my kid a bully now? You can start a whole other problem, too, by going with parents as well. So small towns might be better. They tend to know each other, too. But I, I, I understand where you're going with that. I don't think there's a lot of evidence out there to really get a clear answer on that question. It's probably what happened. Now, say little Johnny keeps hitting my son every day at school. Like, he keeps punching him. That might be easy to come up to and say, hey, your son keeps punching my kid in the lunch, in the lunch line. If it's more extreme bullying, like the new story that, that we talked about today, that might be hard to go up to a kid's parents to try to give them that information. So I think right. you're right, the case by case, I think you're exactly yeah. right on that. Yes, absolutely. I think because sometimes and often children who bully are experiencing stressors at home themselves. Maybe they are being bullied or experiencing some emotional, verbal, or physical abuse at home. And so their parent may not be the most healthy or fun. You know what I mean? It might. So yes. How trying is it on you when you have a child who is so obviously in distress? You mean like when I'm working with a child who's in distress? Yeah. When there's a heavy situation where I assume that in some situations, there's only a limited amount that you can do to help. Sometimes that situation doesn't get better. How does that weigh on you? Um, you know, I, I feel as though I, I do feel like I've been able to help at least someone. When I was working like in an outpatient clinic and would see kids for therapy, we would talk through strategies But I didn't see them as often. So, you know, and then we would, maybe they would not end up coming. So I don't know that I ever worked with somebody where I, it clearly was like out of hand and I I couldn't, we couldn't get through it. Um, But I don't know everything as far as like, as far as how things went on a day to day. I just know when I was seeing them in the school, I feel grateful that the schools that I'm working at right now, that there's good people that take it seriously and will work to change, maybe change some things around, change, make it so they're not able to be one-on-one with each other. And we're able to meet with that student and help build them up. I think that's one thing I want to make sure to say as parents, as you know, anybody who works at a school, as anybody who works with children, you can build them up whenever you see them. Point out what's great about them. Point out how just awesome of a kid they are. Point out that they are inherently worthwhile, right? Because we want that's what we want them to know, that no matter what's happening, how someone else is treating us isn't about us. It's about them. And we are still 
worthwhile. We are still kind. We are still friendly. And we can still make our own friends. You know, the more social connections a child and an adult has, the less vulnerable they are to bullying and the less vulnerable they are to a lot of other health risks. I, I totally agree because as a parent, we're the first ones that's going to build up our kids' confidence first. Yeah. I see a lot of parents at sports, some are even in my school, a kid will break a board or have a huge achievement in class. You turn around and look at the parent, they're sitting on their phone not paying attention to it, and the kid's confidence just drops. The parent missed it. Um, and that's kind of us on parents, too, because as parents, we live such a busy life. Now, that parent could be working on their phone. I don't know the whole story. But as parents, if we're taking our kid to an activity, we should be engaged with that activity as well because that activity is there not just for them to become a professional player someday. That activity main goal is to build our confidence up. And if we can't give them that instant praise, that kid in the future can be like, well, why should I try anymore? No one cares. Mm -hmm. And they get all these negative thoughts going through their head as well. As parents, we're the first ones to work on our kids' confidence. Because even if we can't fix what's going on for them at school, we can we can focus on the positive with them, and we can build that up. We can do those positive affirmations. We can do that practice. Okay, how are you going to respond when I say this? Okay, let's practice the jokes. So you got a good joke to maybe tell to sort of like break the ice. I mean, we can be working on all those things, even though we can't always fix what's on the outside world. As we're coming to a close, is there any final thoughts that you would like to relay out to the audience just in general about bullying? Any particular bit of advice that hasn't been covered by any of our questions? I would say encouraging kids to also speak up when they see others being bullied because that helps contribute to a safe environment at their school and that helps contribute to less likelihood they'll be bullied. And um, so I think encouraging kids to say something or reach out to a child if they see that they, you know, don't have anybody to sit with. Encouraging our kids to build relationships and friendships, even if they're not the best of friends. Like getting, just encouraging your kids to be involved in things because those social connections are going to protect them. You know, and also doing that as parents, you know, because they see what we model. Um, so I think I think it's so helpful to look at those proactive preventative strategies in addition to responding if it's happening. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And we really appreciate you coming on and defining bullying for us. Yes. Thanks, Fiona. Absolutely. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You know, Tim, I think Fiona was very helpful. I think there was a lot of good information. I feel that she gave us a lot of tools on what we can do to help our child if they're being bullied. And speaking of tools, we want to give you a couple of resources right now. Now, first off, because we started the show talking about somebody who tragically took their own life. If you out there are having any suicidal thoughts, we implore you to take a moment to stop. And here's the number to the National Suicide Hotline. Before you do anything rash, please dial 988 and talk to somebody. There is somebody there to talk to. Now, whether it is yourself, your child, or somebody you know who has experienced bullying, we want to give you two resources right now. There is first stopbullying.gov, which is the United States government's anti-bullying resource website. And there is also Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center. 
and you can find them online at pacer.org backslash bullying. If you are a member of the LGBTQIA2S plus community and you need help or you need someone to talk to, you can reach out to The Trevor Project. You can find them online at trevorproject.org or you can call them at 1-866-488-7386. You can also text them at 678-678. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Noxon. Thank you for listening, and we will continue this conversation next week.